it is Tuesday. Welcome back, Mona. This is the last Tuesday in August, which is amazing. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm kind of ready for beautiful fall days and beautiful foliage and all of that. I love the four seasons, the change of seasons. I could never live in Florida, leaving Ron DeSantis even aside. <laughs> I could never live in a place that didn't have four seasons. It's it's very enjoyable. I have to admit, we've had been having this conversation here. You know, as we look at the temperatures down in Arizona and Texas, where it's you know 105, 105, 105. It's like, no, I don't think we could ever do that. We had this weird weather pattern last year here in Wisconsin, where it's been a beautiful summer all summer, and then just the two days around the the Republican debate was ninety nine, ninety nine. It was nice, 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 <laughs> ninety nine, and then nice again. But for those two uh. days, it was like. This is a reminder why we could never live <laughs> in the South necessarily. But anyway, that's just a- the puns, of course. You know the obvious imagery, right? All that hot air brought by the Republicans. Ha <laughs> ha. So I had a deep thought that I wanted to bounce off you this morning. Okay. I think one of the big mistakes that observers of politics occasionally make is the assumption that political parties behave in a rational and coherent manner. That mm. somehow that there are, is an establishment that sits down and works out an intelligence strategy, which is defensible, as opposed to the reality, which is that sometimes political parties behave in completely irrational manners and are completely uh, prisoners of their id. Now, for example, you know, you look at Congress, and I wrote my newsletter about this. A rational political party that's in control of the House would be doing, I don't know, some serious public policy work, or they would certainly be spending their time on issues that would help them hold and expand their majority, right? That's what you would think. Instead, what are the priorities? Obstruction, impeachment, and a government shutdown. I mean, you really can't make it up what they're doing under Kevin McCarthy's watch they're going to be spending this fall, as they come back from their recess, all of this time on resolutions to defund all the prosecutions of Donald Trump, coming up with articles of impeachment against Joe Biden, uh, grounds up to be determined, something, something, something. And uh, meanwhile, um, apparently are absolutely committed to shutting down the entire federal government overspending. So between obstruction and impeaching Biden, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Obstruction, impeachment, and shutdown, brilliant, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, so let's just pause on this for a second because actually, it's not that they're irrational. It's that they are responding to the incentives that are now part of the system. We are still trapped in the idea that political parties were entities that were controlled by, you know, office holders and big donors and activists. But that's not been true for a very long time, for at least, I would say, a decade. And of course, it traces back to the rise of the internet and to the rise of independent fundraising on the internet for these people so that they are not dependent on parties anymore. And therefore, their incentive is to play to their base and their small donor base and get them excited, get them angry, get them riled up. And so they are actually behaving rationally, considering the, uh, the incentives of the thing. Except that. If they continue this particular strategy, it may result in their loss of the majority 
in a year that they ought to be able to expand it. So I mean, yeah, I, you know, yeah, yes, no, you, you're completely right. They're, they're responding to some you know, one set of incentives. There's the other set of incentives, which is that you want to keep the majority. Do you they have, though? Well, okay, hey, do they want to keep the majority? Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, for somebody like Biggs or Clyde hmm. or hmm. these types or Matt Gates, it absolutely doesn't advantage them at all to be in the majority versus the minority. No, no, no. This is an interesting point. The reason I was saying it was the, the incentive structure to keep the majority is because there are what, about 10 of the House Republican caucus who were, represent districts that were won by Joe Biden. So the whole impeachment for nothing thing doesn't work for them. But your point is that if we assume that they actually care about being a governing majority, um, yes, that would you know seem to be you know counterproductive. But Given the incentive structure, does Matt Gates care whether he's in the majority or the minority? Does it make any difference to him whatsoever? Isn't it more fun and more deeply satisfying to uh, sit in the monkey gallery and I'm sorry, I'm about to make obscene references here. <laughs> no, that's that by, that, by the way, is an interesting question. I mean, Kevin McCarthy wants to be wants to be speaker. Yes. But he's got a lot of folks that frankly don't care. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So his interests and the interests of his party are not aligned. And, you know, you think about the way it used to be in the past. Okay. Mm. So, you know, people do like exerting power. That's true. But in addition to liking exerting power, which you, and you get more power if you're in the majority than in the minority. But in addition to that, there was a very strong incentive that the congressman wanted to be able to have chairmanships. Well, why did they want chairmanships? Well, because if you were the chairman or the vice chairman of a committee, you were able to raise more money from the industries that were affected by the legislation you might consider or pass. And so that has been chipped away. I don't think it's completely gone. But it has been chipped away at very significantly by the rise of, of small donors. No, I think it's a great point. We're getting the democracy that we, uh, you know, we're getting it good and hard. We certainly are. Well, as a preview of what this is going to look like, and again, just sort of walk through the, the obstruction, impeachment, and shutdown. I'm looking at this story from, you know, CBS News from a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, talking about how House Republicans are attempting to prohibit the use of any federal money to pay for Jack Smith's investigation and any criminal cases against Donald Trump. I mean, they are so invested in protecting, you know, their pressures that they would defund the prosecution in and of itself. I think that's just a bizarre position to be taking, okay, in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But as CBS points out, though they are unlikely to generate any large number of supporters and have been criticized as political posturing, the proposals could eventually derail fragile negotiations to avoid a government shutdown or emergency funding for natural disaster relief in Hawaii and Vermont. Mm. And they could be a wedge issue inside the Republican Party on Capitol Hill. So here you have the alignment of the planets. Well, they're not only pushing the stupid idea of defunding the prosecution, but they may also then, be, you know, because they're having the tantrum, be shutting down the government and be the ones who are blocking aid to this absolute horrific disaster in Hawaii. Yes. Genius. Uh, yeah. Genius. And uh, they will continue to hit their heads against the wall until morale improves. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. 